My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And you are joining us this week. We've, we, we've, we've, you know, if if this was a school, your attendance has been shoddy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm calling you out here on your your shoddy attendance. Oh, when I was in school, though, my attendance was so good. I know. Even in university where, where nobody cared if you skipped class, I still never skipped class. I was a good little boy. Also, I was a nerd and I actually wanted to be there and I was spending a lot of money. I was like, hey, no way I'm spending all this money to not go to class. Higher education is expensive. Yeah. I always felt terrible when I had when I missed the class. I was like, oh my God. I am... I wanted to start off today about a bit of an interesting story that came up. The London School of Economics has been looking into, the Helena Vieira in particular, has been looking into uh, such thing as gay jobs. Yes. Now, I'm sure for our listeners, uh, we're not talking about, uh, you know, male porn actors, in which case that would be literally quite a gay job. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are more talking about the idea that women are overrepresented in nursing, Men are overrepresented in firefighting, for example. So when we look at the jobs where gay folks are overrepresented, I don't um, disproportionately represented. Because you say overrepresented, that kind of implies it's a bad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah disproportionately yeah. represented. Disproportionately represented. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can make assumptions based on like hilarious stereotypes, uh, but I'm sure that some of those stereotypes. I mean, the way that stereotypes work. Some of them will be true, some of them will be completely and totally wrong, and some will be kind of true, but not for the reason you think it is. Well, the the GayUK.com starts off their article with, what do morticians, theatrical directors, and massage therapists have in common? Oh my god. I know gay men who've done all of those things. I know, it's so true. I don't know any gay morticians. I don't know any Yes, you do. Who's a gay mortician? Uh, you sat on the Pride Committee with them. Mm. He did the accounts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought he was just an undertaker, but I suppose he could be more. He worked in death care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know another stereotype is HR. This is yeah, also true. Yeah. So and uh, social work. I know so many gay men who go into social work and bisexual men. Actually, I think I know more bisexual men who go into social work than gay men. Well, according to the uh, the study, they found that there was a pattern of disproportionate representation mm-hmm. in psychology, mm-hmm. law, mm-hmm. social work, mm-hmm. and university teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, flight attendants. Okay, yes. And uh, lesbian t- truck drivers. Lesbian also. truck drivers. Also made the list. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the idea of gay flight attendants, lesbian truck drivers, and I don't know, I do know multiple gay lawyers. Yep, <laughs> like, me too. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. So before we get to the actual theories as to why these particular careers are are overrepresentative of of gay folks. Mm. What is your theory for why we have more homosexual morticians or lesbian truck drivers? Well, okay, so I know that one of the the assumptions is that, uh, and this is a a sort of an outdated assumption, that that gay men will pattern like women. Um, And I've never felt that. I've always found that, like, uh, gay men do pattern more like women than straight men do but not entirely like a lot of these things are kind of this weird down the middle thing um 
a lot of them are sort of people-oriented. Social work is people-oriented. I don't know that many, like, court lawyers who are gay. I know a lot of uh, contract lawyers. Like family lawyers. Family lawyers. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sort of the out-of-court negotiation kind of... Arbitrators. Uh, arbitrators, human rights, uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh, what was that, What else was on that list? I mean, HR is... I mean, I know that HR wasn't on that list, but HR is kind of a stereotype, and that's very people-oriented. A lot of them are kind of people-oriented jobs, really. So... Helena Vieira at the London School of Economics has come up with two hypotheses okay. for the overrepresentation of queer folks in certain character uh, in certain jobs. Okay. The first one is about task independence. Mm. So it's the ability to get your stuff done independently on your own without having to depend on co-workers. Uh, the theory being that uh, a lot of these jobs are very independent type jobs, okay. um, and then you're not uh, you're not revealing as much of yourself to coworkers when you have significantly fewer coworkers. Like morticians aren't a high volume occupancy, or like fire inspectors versus firefighters. I think is the example they use. Is that still a thing in current year where? most people have spent most of their lives in an accepting society? I mean, if you're talking about UK, Canada, the Anglosphere in general, broadly. Well, I think it's about also being able to control the environment. You okay. know, they, they look at the difference between massage therapists and construction workers. Okay. If you're a construction worker, you're on a large team with a lot of people. There's a lot of variables. Mm -hmm. If you're a uh, massage therapist, it's you, maybe the secretary, maybe the other therapist. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously your clients. So that's, that's okay. So my my day job. I am a technical writer. I write, uh, which is a very independent. Yeah, task. that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I, I write user manuals, and my week is a good week when uh, people actually answer my emails and agree to a call. Uh, it should be about eighty percent completely on my own writing, researching, uh, editing, a lot of copy editing. Oh my god, Co uh, coding because a lot of what we do is I, I do it in markup. I don't do it in like a word document. And then the other 20% is interviewing people. Uh, how does this work? What is the reason that we're doing this? Can you tell me about this product? What is the process going on here? Is it important that the client understands how this works? Or can we just say, just click the button, it works, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So I, I do spend, uh, and it's, it's actually normal uh, for people in my field as well to actually set aside 5 to 10% of their week for socializing. It's actually considered to be part of the job. Well, they're all engineers. They're all engineers. <laughs> so, so if anyone knows engineers, yeah. Yeah, you have to schedule in not being alone yeah. uh, so that they actually, you know... Well, uh, you, you got to butter them up. You got you to gotta make friends with people because if they're busy, they're not going to make time for you if they don't like you. Mm. And they're always busy. And I need them to make time for me. So spending a little bit of that buddy-buddy time is part of the job. It's like really weird how much of my job is actually it's socializing. I want you to hold on to that one because my job, I am the station manager at CIUT-FM. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with working with uh, our staff team uh, to a lesser degree of volunteers because so many of them create their content remotely mm -hmm. um but it is a lot of independent work yeah like it is an incredibly independent work mm -hmm. um and then the other part of it is 
social perceptiveness. And that's her second hypothesis. Oh, okay. So she said the ability to read people's reactions accurately. Um, she says, uh, goes on to say, since gays and lesbians are often discriminated from a young age, they've honed the skill of perceiving people's reactions from from a younger age. Okay. Not all gays, not all lesbians, but yeah. the sort of more universal experience, at least for folks who are a bit older, uh, is that you have to be quickly aware of how people are reacting to you, um, just from as a survival skill. You know, I don't think we're going to be hunted with pitchforks, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you want to extricate yourself from certain environments. Mm-hmm. So that, that social perceptiveness piece um, was the other half of her equation in terms of why certain jobs are, are recruiting a higher volume of gays and lesbians than other jobs. Hmm. So do you agree with social perceptiveness? Well, I mean, the idea of, like, walking into a conversation and knowing right away how that conversation is going to go, at least in terms of tone, even if not in terms of outcome, in terms of tone, being able to read that, yeah, that's pretty important. Um, uh, I mean, my my company is spread out across the world, and there's this one guy in South Africa, he makes me laugh so much, but he is not what you would call a friendly person. Um, he's kind of that charming curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. And if you get him in the right mood, he's the most helpful person in the company every time. But you got to get him in the right mood. If he's not in the right mood, you got to put him in the right mood. So that there is a lot of that going on. It's there's a lot of social skills going on there. And for a lot of these sort of out of court lawyers, there's a lot of that as well. Negotiating and trying to get people to agree to stuff or get people to understand. Like, look, I know you want to sue this guy, but that the law's not on your side and that kind of thing. Social work, obviously obviously yeah that's well i have the list okay occupations and and the data here by the way comes from uh the american community survey and the u.s national longitudinal longer oh my god longitudinal study of adolescent health okay uh, so it was these two massive data sets that they were they were drawing from mm-hmm. so the occupations with the highest joint proportion of gay and lesbian workers is number one straight up psychologists okay which does reply uh, rely on social perceptiveness as well as independent work now the problem there is that when you say the word psychologist you're talking about university researchers on the functioning of the human mind and you're also talking about practicing psychologists yes which usually people distinguish them by calling them psychiatrists but some so psychiatry is the ability to uh, uh, it's different it has the medical field but the overlap is so significant that they're almost used interchangeably even though I know there is a difference about what what you can do in terms of like prescribing drugs and whatnot um, uh, whether you can diagnose medical conditions as well Um, but it's just so when you're talking about psychologists you're talking about like talk therapy Mm -hmm. okay the next one is training and developmental specialists and managers and the fact that I was Uh (laughs) a manager for education um, is not lost on me and your partner's well, trained in HR anyway. Yeah. yeah, and then the third one, social and community service managers. Four, mm-hmm. technical writers. Seriously? Technical writers is number four. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. My You God. are the fourth <laughs> gayest role 
in in uh, according to, I'm not going to go through all of them uh, just to round out the top 10 massage therapists urban planners you have an obsession with urban planning I am obsessed with buses and trains uh, yeah producers and directors post-secondary teachers and then probational and correction uh, specialists hmm more you knew what I think is quite interesting is they look at male and female majority occupations and sort of how those work out mm-hmm. so female majority occupations that have the highest number of lesbians for example is psychologists probation workers education sociologists uh, and then for the men in female occupations female dominated occupations mm-hmm. is flight attendants hairdressers nurses mm-hmm. transportation attendants mm-hmm. uh, on the male side there's lesbians who are bus and truck mechanics okay uh, elevator installers <laughs> is how they come in. If you see an elevator installer that's a woman according to this most likely to when be i a lived lesbian. in toronto i had a friend who's going to go into that and she explained to me that her her father's best friend owned a company or something like that and she said it's good money you get left alone and you get to drive around town and listen to music music and she just like I, I love the idea of having a job where i can just listen to music all day and be left alone so i mean I, it's great so <laughs> uh what male majority occupations have the most gay men mm-hmm. uh number one actors although that does not <laughs> that does not surprise me okay uh news analysts reporters and correspondents okay. yet again i know a lot of queer folks in the in the media uh-huh. uh artists and related work and then agents and managers and producers and directors all really the the arts and cultural sector by mm. far not so, law even though law is big on the the generalist that list yeah. they, they they still make a drop in the well bucket. lawyers judges and magistrates comes down as the 14th occupation with the highest uh, proportion of okay. gay and lesbians okay so there are a lot of gay and lesbian lawyers more so than you would expect uh, but not as much as when it comes to like technical writing or artist management for example i don't know if you've ever read kurt vonnegut i have okay in not all of him obviously in uh oh what was the one with ice nine in it the one with the uh, is a cat's cradle, I think. Anyway, in one of the books, there's a um, there's a, a a scene where there's a couple. They're talking about there was a, a technical writer who was at the same resort as them, and they're saying you can always tell a homosexual by the way he writes an index. It was just weird scene in this Kurt Vonnegut book, and it uh, I don't know that always stuck with me. And I I've said that to a few friends who actually write manuals, and they're like, I don't know what that means. But, I don't know, this study is kind of interesting. And that was written in, what, the 60s, 70s? When was Kurt Vonnegut active? Actually, it was more like 70s, 80s. Anyway, but yeah, little Kurt Vonnegut nerd literature. You can always tell a homosexual by the way he writes an index. I don't know why. There might be some truth to that. <laughs> there might be some truth to that. We should uh, we should go around looking at encyclopedias. Absolutely. So, the other update I had before we move in is... Uh, dictionary.com have updated uh, their various words. Okay. Uh, there have been 313 new entries, new words that have been added to the dictionary. 130 of them have been updated mm-hmm. um, with new definitions, and 1,100 had uh, new ones uh, entirely added. Uh, like cakeage was added. Is that when you put on too much makeup? Yeah, no, a cakeage is like a corkage fee. It's a cakeage fee. Oh. Have you ever heard of such a thing? 
It's where they take, if you go to a restaurant and you're like, I brought my own birthday cake, but they charge you for slicing the cake. Like if you brought your own bottle of wine, they uh-huh. charge you a coking fee. It's a cakeage fee. I, Digital Nomad was added. Oh, uh, yes. Hellscape was added to the dictionary. How is that not existing before? How did that not exist before? I don't know. It's... It- Maybe as a single word instead of a compound word. Like, because hellscape's been in the, the, the language for a long time, but hellscape as a single word, yeah, I could yeah. see that being new. Rage farming was added to the dictionary. Because of... Not Corbin, what's his name? So, rage farming is when you intentionally provoke political opponents to get them to overreact. Mm. And then, you know, that's that's the goal of it. Uh, pink washing. Yes. Uh, was added. So for our listeners who don't know, pinkwashing is where uh, typically a company would do uh, a sort of uh, a really obvious initiative to make it look like they are very pro-LGBT um, so that they are, you know, pro-gay on paper. Yeah. But then there's no depth or reality to it. Well, and then the moment Pride season ends, they're yeah, you know, nowhere to be seen. They're back to be back to normal. Yeah, <clears throat> the other one that got added was queer baiting. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do you want to define for our audience what queer baiting is? It, it's when you hint at but don't actually seal the deal on a, a same-sex relationship in something in order to garner interest from a, from mostly the the queer demographic, but young demographic in general. Um, the biggest accusations of queer baiting have gone towards the show Teen Wolf. Oh, yes. And there have been arguments about queer baiting uh, accusations for the final 30 seconds of uh, Korra, the um, Avatar series. Mm. Because the whole season, whole series, she had no romantic interest in anyone and right in the last 30 seconds, she's like, oh, by the way, I'm in love with that lady. And there's a whole bunch of like queer people who are all for it. They're like, I would have been for it if you'd done it all along. This is, this is bull. Why would you do this? In the it's, last... it's inauthentic. It's disingenuous. Yeah. And it, and it strikes a discordant note. It, it just, it feels forced yeah. and contrived. Like commit or don't do it. Like do it the whole time or don't do it at all. What is this? So there It's was... like the writers go, oh my gosh, yes, the gays. Quick, make one of them kiss. And yeah. it's like, okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, definitely Teen Wolf. Any kind of like drama oriented towards teenagers where there are 30-year-olds with rippling abs who are supposedly 16. I think recently, this is just, I think this is a generational issue. Because us millennials and older generations always had 30, 40-year-olds playing actual teenagers. Yeah. But all of the new TV seems to have actual teenagers playing actual teenagers. It is... Unheard of. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's like these are actual like the age actors playing those yeah, roles. Yeah, I think it's a little more like fifty. Well, I mean, you you still have Riverdale. Yeah, but only one or two of them out of yeah. the whole cast. So the other words that came out are petfluencer. Oh God. Like an influencer, mm. but for pets, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one here that that I did not know uh, as a gamer. Uh, and that is abrosexual. Do you know what abrosexual is? I know I've heard the term. Uh, is it is it a straight man who acts like a gay man but is straight? No, it is relating to a person whose sexual orientation is fluid or fluctuates over time. So it comes from the Greek habros, meaning graceful, delicate, or pretty. 
Um, yeah, so it's uh, uh, abrosexual, which is interesting because years and years ago, we did a deep dive into the scientific body of work on what causes sexuality. And one of the theories of sexuality is that it is on multiple vectors. So the best way to describe it is um, think of yourself when you're feeling particularly sexy and, and alluring. Maybe it's a romantic dinner with your partner uh, and how you view yourself and other people in that moment. And then think of yourself visiting your grandparents. Like your sexual identity is very different in those dynamic situations. Or um, somebody who may not be remotely gay, but in an all-male-only environment, such as a prison. Um, or then, the Navy. Or the Navy. Then these things become a bit more fluctuating. So it's the idea that someone's sexuality is reflective of their, their nature, their nurture, and also their time and space that they yeah. are existing in at that time. Yeah, the, the influence of immediate environment is... Definitely a thing for, for... I mean, culture is an evolutionary construct. And there's a feedback loop that, that humans as animals create culture, but culture also influences us and how we behave. It's it's kind of an interesting thing. Can, can I ask you, is the word zesty on that list? I am not saying zesty. Zesty apparently is something like energetic and gay. But it not gay as in like rainbow this, pride kind of this thing? This might be my favorite word that okay. has been added. A super dodger. So a super dodger is anyone for unverified reasons who remains uninfected or asymptomatic after repeated exposures to a contagious virus. So we must, you must all know somebody who in this entire pandemic has never got ill. You know, world-ending, you know, for the audience's sake, Seb just sheepishly raised his own hand. <laughs> but, like, people who have, you know, take public transit, family are dropping like flies, and they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a super dodger. I had a, I had a cough that lasted a day. I had uh, seasonal allergies, which was ambiguous. I mean, I have, I've had a couple lurgies where I don't know if it was allergies or a cold or a flu or... Very mild COVID. I don't know what it was. But yeah, I, I broadly speaking, if I've been down, it's for, never been for more than two days. Over the past, like, three years, yeah. That is outrageous. But I have a, a, a bum gut. So if I eat something that looked at its own shadow, uh, I get sick. So, <laughs> All right, we're jumping to our first track. This is Coal Mine by Mother Love, and we will be back just Come and save my soul 
And uh, we are, first of all, let me just tell you about a pretty outrageous uh, event that happened recently. Uh, do you recall that Lady Gaga's dog was dognapped? Yes. You do recall this. Well, apparently... Wasn't the, it dogs? Wasn't it two of them? Yeah, they were her two dogs. Yeah. yeah. So uh, apparently the, the girlfriend of the dognapper who uh, is is essentially an accessory to the dog napping, mm-hmm. um, has now sued Lady Gaga for not giving her the reward money for finding the dogs, 
that she helped to dognap. Yeah, so from what I understand, uh, Lady Gaga put a bounty out and said that she would give reward money, no questions asked. And, um, which sounds fine on its surface, but if you're the one who did it and you're accepting that, that's basically just a ransom at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Like, give me the money and I'll give you the dogs back. So, I don't know, it's complicated. On on the one, well, not even complicated, I guess, because, I mean, you, you did steal the dogs, but... You know, no questions asked means no questions asked, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just dog napping here. Uh, Lady Gaga's dog walker, Ryan Fisher, was shot and wounded. He was shot four times uh, during the the dog napping. Lady Gaga offered up to 500,000 as the reward. Uh, Now, Jennifer McBride uh, showed up at the LAPD station, handed over the dogs, and LAPD were like, oh, yeah, she seems to be uninvolved, unassociated, not remotely responsible here. Anyways, they did a bit of digging uh, and they found that she was very much involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she was charged with receiving stolen property and accessory to attempted murder. So despite being charged as an accessory to attempted murder and receiving stolen property, uh, Jennifer McBride still believes that despite being involved in the dog napping, mm-hmm. that she uh, is uh, is auto of this $500,000 prize off of, or reward off of uh, Lady Gaga. So she did the crime, she'll do the time, but she wants her reward money anyway, please. Yeah, yeah. So the lawsuit filed says Lady Gaga is being uh, accused of offering the 500000 with the intent to defraud and induce members of the public, such as the plaintiff, which, by the way, here is the woman apparently responsible for dog napping, mm-hmm. uh, to rely upon it and act upon said promise. I mean, a lot of it is um, sort of standard legal talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, McBride is asking for no less than $1.5 million including for legal fees and mental anguish. Mental. <laughs> and as well as, obviously, the pain and suffering. So, uh. just to recap, the lady who is partly responsible for mm-hmm. stealing Lady Gaga's dogs is suing Lady Gaga for not giving her a reward when she returned the dogs. In what state? Is it California? LA. L- okay, yeah, yeah. Um... Definitely Canada, definitely the UK, and some, but not all, American states have a uh, laugh-you-out-of-court sort of unofficial rule that if you're suing for someone, suing someone for something so stupid that the judge is like, what? Then they can just dismiss it. Uh, but no, the, I think LA is one of those states where all litigation needs at least an hour in front of a judge. It, nothing gets dismissed outright. So this is this is going to see court time. Even if it's only five minutes for the judge to just look at the lady and say, what are you doing? This is a waste of everyone's time. Go home. And by home, I mean go back to your cell. Like, this is... That's great. That's great. Oh, that's a ridiculous yeah, just story. the audacity of uh-huh. it. Like, the, 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 the sheer gall of stealing someone's dog and then suing them when they don't give you the reward money is just astonishing. I mean, you never know. They could say, like, she did say no questions asked. She did offer the reward. She didn't stipulate that... <laughs> You're not supposed to be the guy that shot the dog napper. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you weren't the dog napper that shot the guy, rather. But, I mean, absolutely outrageous. So, 
moving now to a bit more of a serious story. And that is about two gay men who have died in New York City. Uh, one of the men was found dead in his uh, apartment. Another one had died in a taxi. Um, and what the police have identified now is that both of these men were actually substantially robbed, their credit cards, details, all of that thing, taken, bank accounts, emptied. Mm -hmm. But they were, they, were very, they were drugged prior to their robbing. So I think uh, significant amounts of fentanyl were found in their, uh, in their system. Oh. Um, and the concern here from uh, the New York police uh, is that and we don't know whether or not it's targeted. We know for sure that these are two gay men leaving a gay club mm -hmm. in New York. Um, somebody went with them, provided, you know, drugged them in some fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is that neither of these men had a history of drug use. Okay. Fentanyl, though, is famously easy to get into somebody's body. Uh, like, you, you can get in through skin contact, for example. Um, and it's it, even very small amounts in a drink. So even if they just had, like, one drink, it could be that one drink that they had that they shouldn't have had. Um, so, yeah, no, that's... That's that's pretty horrible and pretty tragic, yeah. So just to be clear, I just uh, the New York Police Department, sorry, do not believe that it is targeted, but rather people leaving clubs are being targeted. Right. Okay. Then drugged. Right. Then robbed. Um, so yeah, the need to be careful and abundantly careful is uh, is yet again um, emphasized. Mm -hmm. Now, moving to Australia with the World Pride and the Sydney Mardi Gras, uh, both one and the same thing, uh, have uh, reached an end. The 17-day festival has finally finished. Oh, that's too much party. So much party. That's too much party. So much party. I like a good time, but that's too much party. <laughs> 17 days. So the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, uh, led a march across the Sydney uh, Bridge with, of course, with the Sydney, uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge with the Sydney Opera House off in the, uh, on, on the side. Mm -hmm. 50,000 people marched with the Prime Minister and other LGBT dignitaries uh, across the bridge. Quite uh, for our folks, our listeners and friends, in Australia and New Zealand, uh, this was a very big deal and certainly quite the uh, momentous moment. I believe Australia also announced new funding to support uh, LGBTQ initiatives in the Asia-Pacific region. Okay. So, you know, definitely not only trying to improve at home, and there's things to improve in Australia, mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, influence uh, in the area. So, yeah, a nice happy cheerful 50,000 person march to close out 17 days of festivities do you get the feeling sometimes that pride parades are starting to get to the size where they're about half the size of the audience where the parade the parade is like bigger than the people yeah yeah I, this is why i like small prides yeah you know like although i i'm i am split on my opinion of belleville ontario yeah uh, one of the best prides I went to was Belva Pride, mm -hmm. and it was just a leisurely walk. The parade route was uh, unequivocally 
too far. Okay. <laughs> and I say this because, you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, inaccessible kind of too far. It wasn't the, I'm going to need to sit down from this walk too far. Mm-hmm. But it was far enough that any kind of audience cheering you on, like, petered out. Mm-hmm. And then you're just strolling down a main road for five minutes. Okay. Uh, with traffic going the other way. And the odd pedestrian going to, like, the the grocery store passing by. Like, when you've run out of crowd, uh, is it really a a pride march? Or is it just a, um, you know... Is it a pride march if no one's there to see it? March, yes. Parade, no. No, no. Okay, parades need an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do like a small-town pride, though. You go there, you go to a picnic, eat a hot dog. There was a picnic. A friend introduces you to some friends. You listen to some music. Uh, All the drag queens are slowly melting under the midday sun. A lot of the drag queens at small-town prides don't get into drag that day because they just want to hang out in jeans. Because it's sunny, it's hot. Who wants to be wearing that much makeup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and the... You can't really put on your lipstick and also drink a beer, so mm, out of a, a bottle anyway. The struggle so. is real. Yeah, so everyone just sort of hangs out, and then like, hey, have you met Jill? She lives next door. She grooms dogs. She she's even willing to work with huskies. I know that's that's bold. Yeah, I know. So it's like that's that's what small town pride is like. It's really more like a family picnic or just like a local gathering. Mm. One of the best ones I ever went to was in Sarnia. It was the same basic thing: eat a hot dog, hang out. There's a dance at the agricultural center. Um, I went to the one in Perth, Perth, Ontario, and that was literally just we walked in a square, like in in a no, maybe it was Kingston. By square, do you mean like a plaza or no, like... No, like a block? We did a block. I think it was Kingston. Okay. I think we just walked a block. Okay. And got back, and everyone was like, "Yay!" <laughs> like achievement unlocked. <laughs> we've we've walked a block. And then you ate a hot dog. And then you ate a hot dog. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, small town prides are definitely definitely where it's at. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to jump to our next track of the day. This We've got like a, a, a Americana, but like Canadiana vibe going. You know, we had Coal Mine by Mother, uh, from the album Mother Love mm-hmm. by uh, Isque and Tom Wilson. Uh, I believe they're out of Winnipeg or maybe um, Isque is Cree Metis. Uh, Tom Wilson is Mohawk. Um I'm not sure where they're currently based. Um, anyway, we're now going to be moving to Nancy Labarge with Just Leave. Mm-hmm. This is very uh, Americana. Uh, Folks Roots America singer-songwriter from Calgary. Makes sense. Calgary does make sense. And later today, we're going to be playing out with the Indigo Girls. Where are the Indigo Girls from? Like Wisconsin or something. Okay, so not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Actual Americana with the Indigo Girls. But before we get there, our second queer-identified uh, Canadian artist singing a bit of folk Americana is Nancy Labarge with Just Leave. If you can't stay, then don't stay. If you need to go, then just go This ain't some torture test Gut wrench and regret Can't be who you wanna be No twisted tale or sinister spell To keep you here with me Just leave 
make up your mind This up and down It's dragging me down It's like a guessing game But the prize is the pain And I'm winning constantly So just leave Sebastian. And finally, one story that we have been keeping an eye on uh, is a recent campaign by Hershey's Canada. Now, it, this has been, frankly, tragic because I feel like this could have just been a non-story that, that people didn't really think too much about mm. um, and then moved, moved on. So just to, for our listeners who may not be aware, uh, there has been significant backlash to Hershey's... Uh, Hershey and when I say backlash, it, it's predominantly in the US media, particularly right-wing media circles um, who are really critical of it. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you an idea, Tucker Carlson has taken issue with this campaign from Hershey's Canada. Mm -hmm. So Hershey Canada... Have they handed over forty thousand over to Girl Up, a group out of Quebec uh, which focuses on women's equity, okay. uh, which is a donation to women's uh, a woman's cause. Uh, they had four women feature on some new limited run packaging uh, for Hershey's chocolate bars with their face on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it included uh, Autumn Peltier, an indigenous rights and water activist, Nyla Malou, who is a climate innovator, according to the CBC, Rita Audi, a gender and education equality activist, uh, Calicia Masala, who founded Girl Up Quebec, 
Uh, and then obviously the last one who's caused really all of the conversation on this, mm-hmm. Faye Johnston, who is currently the executive director of Wisdom to Action. Now, we have, both you and I individually, personally, uh, have known of Faye Johnston. Um, I knew Faye prior to their transition when they worked for what was formerly called Jazz Vision. At least a decade. At least a decade. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so we've been, you know, Ottawa's not a big town. Yeah. And uh, we've been aware, lines have crossed, uh, you know, there is, it's a small circle, you become aware of things. Yeah. Um, You know, personally, uh, me and Faye Johnston, best friends, absolutely not, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but... That's not what's at issue here. The issue is is that people have become absolutely outraged that uh, Hershey's Canada, when choosing a uh, collection of five women, chose a trans woman. Yes. I think it could... I honestly think it could have been any trans woman and that outrage would likely have remained there. There's a little bit of discussion about why they chose uh, Faye Johnson in specific... Uh, there's been a few people who've gone through sort of the, the work history, the Twitter history, that kind of thing, and they're, they're taking umbrage with individual things. But I don't think they would have looked into it if they didn't like the fact that it was a trans woman at all. Um, I could see, I, even actually within the community, there's grumblings of like maybe someone else. But like that's that's again, that conversation wouldn't have started if it didn't start with why do they put a trans woman on a package for Women's Day? Yeah. So well, I'm, first of all, in Canada, and, and this is this is straight up fact. This is this is not up for debate, and I'll tell you why it's not up to debate. Because the uh, you know most notably the BC Human Rights Tribunal said that this is settled law. This is not up for you know it's it's done. Mm-hmm. Short of legislative change, it is done. Mm-hmm. Trans women who are legally recognized as women in Canada mm-hmm. are women okay. full stop end of discussion in the legal sense of the word. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go looking at people's skirts, that's your own inappropriate prerogative. Mm-hmm. Um, but legally speaking in Canada, that is where we are at. But this is not a case of law. This is a case of whether or not people feel that a trans woman can represent women as a whole. But then I think this boils down to the question of are trans women women? And in Canada, at least legally, they are women. Like, that's the settled part of the conversation. It is, but, I mean, you can also disagree with the law. You can say that, okay, they put that law in, but I don't, I don't understand why that's there. Like, uh, people, the, this is completely politically neutral, at least within the, the confines of our show, but whether or not speed traps are appropriate or not is it just a money grab is it a way to uh reduce speeding on the on the roads whether it's legal or not people can still disagree with it so Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know it's 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 if it's about representation in the group that you're representing is split about whether or not they feel that that represents them i think i mean if anything it definitely sparks a conversation about representation Mm -hmm. and about trans women as being included as representing women as a group um i don't know it, it's i mean to to put a, a pin onto it like i am not a woman so i cannot yeah and um, we are neither of us are trans whether or not a trans woman represents me as a woman because i'm not a woman um but i mean representation in general is complicated because mm-hmm. anytime you get anyone representing anyone you're always going to get people saying i don't 
they don't represent me. Um, you get that in every single political group there is in the world. It does not matter. So Faye Johnston issued a statement on their Instagram, which actually since then has been made private due to the sheer, uh, the tone of the backlash. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the statement reads, it was and continues to be an immense honor to be included in Hershey Canada's campaign as a young trans woman and a feminist advocate. Celebrating young women is an important way to show women and girls can change the world. That we are and that we are already creating change around the world. Trans women are women. We face systemic discrimination on the basis of both misogyny and transphobia, from harassment to hate, poverty, homelessness, and more. I am thankful to Hershey's Canada for including me in their campaign. I am proud to be a part of this campaign alongside four brilliant young women and change makers. Mm -hmm. um, and it was. I think that the other four women have become, unfortunately, you know, utterly drowned out. Oren mm -hmm. Peltier, Rita Audi, Naila Malo, and uh, Clicia Masala. You know, it's just, it is tragic that this has blown up in the way it has. I the mean, of all that, I would say that the Clean Water Initiative, that's something that is critical. Yeah. Absolutely critical. Uh, definitely in some parts of North America more than others, but where it is critical, it is damn important so for them to be overshadowed is is very unfortunate now the lgbt community in ottawa and across canada have rallied behind faye johnston uh so the executive director of egal canada recently issued a statement uh saying you know really speaking out against the backlash uh, the area councillors in Ottawa that are, you know, pro-LGBT have said things. Uh, it's, you know, there's definitely been an effort here. I think the Human Rights Campaign, HRC, recently also came out uh, to support Faye Johnston. Mm -hmm. But it's worth, like, I cannot under undersell the vitriol that has been directed at Faye mm -hmm. since this. When Tucker Carlson has an entire segment where they have, uh, you know, put your in Twitter history under a microscope, mm -hmm. you know, going back years and years to find a throwaway comment referring to yourself as, uh, well, I'm not going to say it over the air, but, you know, someone who is uh, um, sexually active. Mm -hmm. You know, these throwaway comments that you make years and years ago being, I just, you know, if Tucker Carlson did a segment on me, I would be terrified. You know what I mean? Like that kind yeah, of... You're not a spokesperson. When you are a spokesperson, you get put under the microscope, whether you like it or not. A lot of, a lot of uh, media campaigns in the States, before somebody becomes a spokesperson, they will clear their social media history. But this is not a spokesperson. This is just identifying five thought leaders, putting their face and making a $40,000 donation. It's, it's... Kind of the same position as... I mean, it is and it isn't. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But, like, yeah, if you're going to put somebody's face on something, then people are going to want to know who that is. And they put a small bio out, they did a little video, yeah. and that was about it, you know? No one's deep diving into Nyla Malo's, uh, you know, Twitter history. Or, you know, digging up Rita Audi's Instagram past. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that it's, they, have, they have gone so intrusive on Faye Johnston's uh, history. Mm -hmm. In fact, recently she uh, has been dead named with old posts being drug up 
uh, dug up into the into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you have our history with uh, with Faye Johnston, mm-hmm. and that I think shapes some of our perspective. But I would never wish this kind of invasive uh, witch hunt on anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's just very unfortunate. So, um, Hershey's themselves, Selms, oh my gosh, let me try that again. Hershey themselves said, I don't know why that was a tongue twister, mm-hmm. that uh, they will convene young women around the world in the first of its kind future CEO program in, pro- in partnership with non-profit partners, Girl Up and Girls on the Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of goes on to say, um, a part of that is... Uh, leveraging the iconic Hershey's Milk Chocolate Bar to celebrate women and girls. The company and its flagship brand, Hershey's, have collaborated again with Girls on the Run in the US and Canada and Girl Up in Markets. So this is, you know, they've been pulling people from all over the place, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to to put on Hershey's bars. The Hershey Bar is what they've released in, in lots of places. Brazil, Philippines, India, Mexico... It's, but it seems to be just Faye Johnston that is causing all of this backlash. Mm, I mean, I'm surprised no one's having a discussion about whether about why a chocolate company is doing this. Like that, this is kind of corporate meat shield kind of thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna prop up a a campaign in order to sell chocolate like maybe i'm just being cynical but i mean that is sort of a, normally you would expect this kind of anti-capitalist thing to to come out of certain spaces but people are rallying behind it because of this controversy uh, i would rather see the un do this work than than hershey's well i mean first of all the un is doing that work but the question here for hershey's is you know can we do something for women's uh, the, the women's history month um, or should we do nothing? And mm. they chose to do something. And they chose to partner with an organization that operates in Canada, the US, and worldwide. They chose to spotlight women doing incredible work. Mm. And it just so happens that in one of those countries, one of those women is trans. Mm-hmm. And Tucker Carlson finds that absolutely abhorrent. Mm-hmm. So it's that's that's the situation we find ourselves in. It's not ideal. It's not great. But it's, it's where we're at. I mean, you know, the truth is that Tucker Carlson's probably completely neutral, but it's good clickbait. Well, we'll that see. It sells the news. He probably doesn't care. And that's just as bad, really. But Well, yeah. it was Tucker Carlson, <laughs> Women for Trump, and uh, Ben Shapiro, I think, are among the people who have been quite critical. Yeah, Ben Shapiro cares about all sorts of good things. So we are jumping out to our last song. This is the Wood Song by the Indigo Girls. I have been and I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.
lays the hole down with its weight But the wood is tired and the wood is old And we'll make it fine if the weather holds But if the weather holds, we'll have missed the point That's where I need to Stop.